We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Audio. Okay, there we go. Yeah, all right, now we're good. All right, sorry about that. I was playing around with the audio a little bit earlier, so I do apologize. Anyways, let's try that again. We are live here on this Tuesday, November the 8th, 2022. I uh, was messing with some things with the interface. guy. Well, I just said I thought I figured out what the issue was. I think I figured out that it is actually this other cord that we take calls on. I think that is what's throwing everything off. I really do. Um, pray to God we can make it through today's show with not a ton of issues, but I think that's what the problem is. I, I really do. I think it's because we have this phone line hooked up, and every now and then it gets a little bit finicky, and I think it's I think it's almost like it's overloading the, uh, the interface. So we're going to try to see. I'm going to play around with it, kind of mess with the audio levels a little bit, if you will. Uh, had a good buddy of mine, Dave Garrick, actually supplied this, which I appreciate him doing so because it's how we're able to take calls. But... Uh, yeah, I, I think it, at times, I think this interface that I have, which it, it's time to upgrade, right? It's time to upgrade across the board. Uh, hopefully, though, hopefully, I, 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 I'm going to say we're going to be able to to rock and roll and get through this thing without any major issues. I apologize again, guys, for yesterday. I know that was absolutely crazy uh, just with the technical issues that we had. And appreciate you guys' patience and rocking and rolling with us and rolling with the punches. And, again, thank you all so much. I know it's annoying. I know it's frustrating. It was frustrating on my end. That's why I said, you know what? Uh, I said, you know what? I I just – I can't do it. (laughs) I just could not do it. So, anyways, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Also, in the Big Cock Club Discord, head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. Um – I see Brendan commenting in the Discord. Brendan, let me know that everything's okay on your end, by the way. Yeah, it's game day. Listen, game day for Gamecocks men's basketball as the Lamont Paris era officially begins. Really excited for that. You guys, let me know. Audio's good now, right? Everything good? Audio, video, all good? I really do. It's funny. I depend on you guys for that. Um, you know, it gets frustrating at times, obviously, seeing seeing the comments of, hey, Chris, audio's not working. This isn't working. It's not frustration at you guys. It's frustration because of it's just annoying, right? I want everything to go smoothly and run smoothly and run efficiently as possible. And so technical issues do get annoying when you're on this side. But I really do depend you got depend on you guys uh, to let me know because if it wasn't for you guys, I may not know, right? I'd have, to, I'd have to figure out my own. Sometimes I'll go off on a rant and I don't even know 
that the audio has cut out. By the way, guys, before we dive into everything, of course, as always, TDC brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Guys, you can play anything and everything college sports, pro sports. Yes, that includes college basketball, which, get, which gets going tonight, of course. Gamecocks are tipping off. The season actually tipped off. Last night, the uh, Lady Gamecocks, I know some people hate calling them that. I think it's a cool nickname. But either way, Dawn Staley squad got a huge, huge win last night, which I don't think anybody's surprised by. On that note, podcast did drop this morning for full basketball season preview show. Uh, I felt like, you know what, we need to do a, a bonus podcast. My plan was to drop it last week, but of course, with me being out of town, I was like, you know what, let me get back in studio. Let me get back in the friendly confines, if you will, where I can really sit down and and uh, and attack this thing the way I want to. So full basketball season preview show did drop uh, today. I've actually got a prediction graphic that will drop here shortly for the game tonight. I dropped my season predictions on the podcast as well. So again, guys, really fun, exciting day and we talk all the time, content bleeding out of the eyeballs. Well, when basketball season comes back around and we got football and basketball and then we'll have baseball, I mean, it's just really then it's content bleeding out the eyeballs. So, anyways, though, our friends at Prize Picks, go sign up today. TSUS is the promo code at sign up to get that 100% deposit match up to $100. Guys, again, we're taking your questions, comments, calls, 843 That's 843-790-3377. Again, I appreciate y'all being patient with those technical issues yesterday. That was that was crazy. But I think I have, again, figured out the problem. I think it's because, again, for you guys to be able to hear the calls on this interface, you've got, like, the meter turned all the way up, like, on blast, right? Because the sound, for whatever reason, from the phone is pretty quiet. So, I think that was overloading the interface is just my guess. But uh, anyways, whatever. That, that's neither here nor there. Let's go ahead and jump to the phone line. Hunter, what's going on, man? How are you? Not much. Got to be the first one to call. You are, my friend. I, I, I appreciate it. What's going on? Yeah, no problem. Um, so what, what's your thoughts on the um, Carolina-Clemson game? Uh, you think uh, – I know it's far away, um, still far away, like three weeks. I think it's three weeks ahead. Uh, uh, what you're thinking on the Carolina Clemson game? Yeah, and you know, Mark Ryan actually asked me about this yesterday when I went on his radio show. Um, you know, listen, I, I think obviously Clemson, you know, you watch them against Notre Dame. They're a very beatable football team. I, I will say this. Yeah. I, I think when you look at the last three games, I, I think it's going to have to follow – a very similar recipe to success, right? And speaking specifically on that Clemson game, obviously the fact that it's at their place makes it tougher. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Clemson – I mean, I look at it kind of look at, like I looked at it last year, right? Like, I don't think Clemson's going to have some offensive explosion against you. They're not dynamic offensively. Right. They've got questions at quarterback. The reason I picked you to win over the summer was the fact that you do have, I think, for the first time since 2013, truly the advantage at the quarterback position. So, you know – what what can this South kind of offense muster? But I, I think the recipe for success, you know, unless this team really truly just turned a corner due to that Vanderbilt game and, and uh, you know, that they, they all of a sudden have some, you know, an offensive explosion in the final three games, I think it's going to come down to an opportunistic defense and making turnovers in the special teams, Beamer Bowl. I, I think that's what it's got to come down to. you got to win the turnover battle. Um, 
you know, so I, I think you've got a shot, no doubt. Again, like you mentioned, man, that's a ways away. And so I, I think the way that we look at the, I think the way that we look at the Clemson game is going to be shaped and impacted by the way we look over the next two weeks and the way that they look over the next two weeks. But I, I think certainly you've got a shot in the ballgame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no doubt. I mean, I, just watching the whole uh, Notre Dame and the Clemson game that night, I've I seen the special teams. Their special teams actually got that touchdown. I don't know if you've seen that part or not. But yeah. yeah I mean, it, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Notre Dame won that game with defense and special teams. Right, they, they they won that game with defense, especially. So I think you need to take advantage of that as well. Yeah, for sure. And I I, de- I definitely think P. Lima is going to be looking back on that tape for sure. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, but for the Tennessee game, man, I I don't know. I mean, I have a little confidence in it, but it's just back and forth. I'm I'm like I feel like we're going to win that game because it's going to be a night game. But you know, we have to be Florida to be able to know if it's going to be at seven o'clock or seven thirty. Which I'm hoping it's going to be. Uh, I think 7:30 is usually the best the best time, isn't it? So I think 7:30 will actually probably be the SEC Network game, and seven o'clock will be the ESPN game. Normally, that 7:30 game is the SEC Network game. So, uh, you know, I, I would say this, Hunter, not to not to burst your bubble or anything. Obviously, I, I think Tennessee is the least winnable of the three we have remaining, um, because I look at that yeah. game. I just don't know how you're going to stop Tennessee defensively. And, I mean, that's not even a slight to our defense. Tennessee is scoring on everybody not named Georgia, right? Because they've got a just – they're just – they're generational on defense yet again. So, I, you know, hey, you're right. you got to beat Florida first. I, I don't think you even have a shot against Tennessee right, if you right. don't beat Florida and have confidence going in that game. Um, night game at Willie B, though, right? You're 6-0 and in night games, 0-3 in games that aren't at night. So, you've played well at night. But, uh, I mean, certainly that's going to be a huge challenge. I mean, I, I would expect, man, if the line were to drop today, I would say Tennessee probably a – God, they're probably a 20-point favorite, 17-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, I, I think they're going to be a big favorite in the ballgame, man. I think Tennessee's still legit, so. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a good football team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I hate Tennessee, but, I mean, they're, they're a good football team. I hate them with it, but. Yeah, man, I'm just hoping we can upset Tennessee literally on the night game at our last home game, too. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Be senior night, know. too. We'll honor a lot of seniors, right? It'll be senior night. A lot of seniors. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it, it'd be a huge upset for sure. And and with the Florida game, too, that's their last home game, too. So, we're, we're definitely, they're definitely going to be uh, taking advantage of it, too. So, it's going to. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. No doubt, man. Can't wait. Yeah, no, that's all I needed, sir. Hey, Hunter, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. Well, yep, great well. stuff. Uh, appreciate Hunter calling in. Yeah, like I said, guys, I, I know you heard it cut out once or twice. It's it's definitely because the interface is overloaded by the phone line. So it might be time to get a new interface, a more powerful interface. Uh, anyways, though, guys, doesn't matter. We're rocking and rolling. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. So we got my good friend Alex McGrath. He will join the show here in just a couple of minutes. But in the meantime, I do want to hear from you. Let's go, let's go ahead and get after it. Ricky, what's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's up? So I want to see what you're thinking about after Clemson's beatdown versus Notre Dame. You think Carolina has a shot? I think South Carolina absolutely has a shot. I mean, I picked them to win over the summer, so 
Um, you know, again, like I was just telling Hunter, man, I think a lot of it comes down to, and I, I think the recipe for success for this football team is pretty clear cut at this point, right? I think you've got to win the turnover battle. You got to be opportunistic defensively and you got to win on special teams. And I think that'll apply in that game as well. I, I don't think South Carolina. You got anything else? Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, the wife, man, let me tell you. I don't know what to do about her. This, this is your 15 minutes of fame, man. Go ahead. I'm going to let you get it out. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, I mean, you want, you want to talk to um, my little coworker here? <laughs> I just made a piece to do. Anything else? I just made a piece to And a Spider-Man's here. And I really, why do you on Spider-Man about five months ago? Why'd you do it, man? Here you go, Spider-Man. I don't like you, man. I don't like you. Hammond High finest. I appreciate y'all calling in, boys. Hey, tell tell Trip tell tell Trip I said what's up. Appreciate those guys. The Spider-Man caller is officially back. Uh, yeah, Hammond High School's finest right there. I know exactly who that is, so we love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, anyways, guys. I mean, you know, I just want to give people if they want to call in, troll, go ahead, do it right. Get your get your get your five minutes of fame, uh, get your five minutes of glory, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, guys, we are waiting on Alex McGrath to join us uh, for today's show. We'll talk a little counter football. Obviously, the game that happened Saturday against Vandy. Uh, you know, I hate that TDC got cut short yesterday, guys, and really didn't even get to get you know get off the ground. Thankfully, thankfully, we had Stephen Garcia. Uh, you know, we were, we were able to get Stephen on the airwaves, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot to get into, discuss, dissect. You know, of course, uh, I gave my full thoughts on the game on Saturday against Vandy, takeaways, all that. I, and I feel like most people are ready to just move off it and talk uh, talk the Florida game, right? Because it's like, okay, you beat Vandy by 11, congratulations. You know, great game. Hey, great game for the offense, all that good stuff. Great seeing the playmakers touch the football. But now it's on to Florida, right? That, that's the one that really matters. I think most folks throw that Vandy game in the bucket with the Char- with, the, with the Charlottes, the SC States, the Georgia States of the world where it's, I mean, and literally when you looked at it over the summer, guys, we, we uh, you know, we, we I, I locked in those four games as though those were the automatic W's, right? Those are the ones you went to, you went to the schedule and put, an, put a W next to it in, in heavy black ink, right? So, um, and, you know, listen, I, I gave my thoughts on some things that happened after the game. I gave my thoughts on what Coach Beamer said post-game. And I, I want to follow up with this because I also just posted a clip this morning about how positive and optimistic I am about the future of South Carolina football, Beamer ball, under Shane Beamer's leadership. And uh, and truly, I do feel that way, right? Because, again, we sit at 6-3. and three. You know, you look at some of the things that have happened this season, a couple of the firsts that have happened are first in a long time, one four in a row, first time since 2013. Back-to-back SEC road wins, first time since 2012. You know, you're you're bowl eligible with three games to go. You know, if you get too caught up in the details and the nitty-gritty, like if you if you look at this count of football team in this football season from the 30,000-foot view, you're pretty happy, right? You're pretty happy. Things considered, I think you're pretty damn happy. So, uh, But, you know, anyways, you, you look at the season, and I'll tell you this, guys, any type of criticism I give, 
especially yesterday when it comes to Shane Beamer. You know, I, I said what I said about Shane Beamer. Uh, I, I spoke about that situation the same way that I would speak about a friend, a colleague, a family member, right? I can talk about my brother and, and be critical of my brother. It doesn't mean that I don't, don't love the guy. It doesn't mean that I don't know he's in my corner, I'm in his corner. But, you know, sometimes tough love is necessary. So keep it a buck and keep doing that from this side of things is give that tough love. On that note, hey, let's go ahead and bring him on, our good friend, Joins us every single Tuesday. And Hunter Herlong, by the way, I appreciate you, man. The super chat. He says the merch was delivered today. Love to hear that, Hunter. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to go up and close up the phone lines, by the way, before before Alex McGrath jumps in. Don't want people calling in while Alex is on the line. Here we go. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and get him in. Alex McGrath. Alex, what's going on, man? Appreciate you taking the time. Oh, of course, but I'm happy to field some phone calls too if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we should probably let the uh, probably let the uh, let the calls ring for now, if you will. Um, also, it's great <laughs> to hear from you, and there not be any bugs in the background. We had Stephen Garcia on yesterday, and of course, he had he had the technical issues you had at one point yesterday, bro. Yesterday was I don't know if it was I mean the list of hackers at this point, right? You know how like I don't know if you know this Dave Portnoy of Barstool, he gets bottles of champagne and he gets his his haters names engraved in them or what i'm gonna start doing that for the hackers you're just gonna see bottles of dom perry on in the back and one of them's gonna have like uh marcus satterfield's name on it frank martin mark kingston will muschamp just go down the list of like people that uh you know that are on my on my hacker list if you will but we had some crazy technical issues yesterday so glad to hear from you and it not sound like there's a frog under your desk so, so okay i was gonna ask is that what the frog sound was it yeah oh did you did you see steven's clip did you did you hear that yeah yeah that's that's what we heard yeah so obviously it's it's not a you thing uh i don't know man i just think sometimes technology is great until it isn't as we all know and like i was telling people when you go live every single day right there's a lot of opportunity for technology just to mess up so it is what absolutely it is. roll with the punches but anyways alex i appreciate you taking the time man it's always a pleasure to hear from you uh first thing man how about this? Yours truly heading down to Hilton Head tomorrow. We got our event with Carolina Cigars. Supposed to play go- golf Thursday. And, of course, wouldn't you know it, there's a daggum tropical storm coming in. And oh, it's, like a, it's like a 100% chance of rain. So, probably won't even get to swing the sticks. And I probably wouldn't want to because I'd imagine we'd be playing beach golf in like 50-mile-an-hour winds or something like crazy like that. And I don't know if that That's, would be, which, uh, which is great for Hilton Head, where there's out of bounds on both sides of the fairways. Right, not like hitting the fairways at a premium or anything. No. So, yeah, for sure. So, anyways, whatever is what it is. Uh, we're talking Gamecocks. Let's first start, Alex, with that win over Vanderbilt. You know, ho hum type performance. You know, the offensive explosion earlier up thirty-one to fourteen at half. Sluggish finish to the game, but let's focus first offensively because that's where all eyes were. You know, going into that ball game, all the pressure was being heaped on Marcus Satterfield. And, you know, I think all things considered, I think it worked, right? You know, Jaheim Bell goes from having zero targets against Mizzou to 19 touches against Vanderbilt. You know, you, you look at the way they were able to distribute the football to the playmakers, Josh Van, Antoine Wells, uh, Austin Stogner, to carry on Joyner gets involved as well. And I think obviously Spencer Rattler had his best day as a Gamecock, tossing three touchdowns, no picks. What you saw from South Carolina offensively that you think was so much different from what we had seen to that point in the season? I, I mean, we, we threw the ball down the field, which was lovely to see. Um, I, 
it just looked like it was better execution more so than anything else. It may, it may, it, I don't know if that's like you change the game plan up or that's an opponent issue. It was, it was almost kind of like thinking about it, like we reversed halves a little bit where, you know, we scored all of our points, came out looking pretty good in that first half, and then second half, nothing happened. So, uh, it, it, albeit all of this was without Marshawn Lloyd, too. Yeah, that's a very good point. No Marshawn Lloyd, and you're still able to get it rolling the way you did. Anything specifically for you stand out from Spencer Rattler? I thought he looked as comfortable as he's looked all season, and again, when you're playing a defense that, uh, you know, he had a clean pocket basically the entire game. You're playing the worst pass defense in the SEC, right? And I, I don't say that to take anything away from him, but he was able to take advantage, right? I mean, we we kind of knew that if, if Spencer Rattler was going to have that breakout game, if you will, this was going to be the week. It was like it was going to be like now or never. Right? Like if you can't ball well, out, yeah. then, then, you know, you, you don't have much of a shot. No, no, absolutely. It, I guess it, it almost makes it kind of more disappointing that we didn't see that like against – South Carolina State and Charlotte too. Like thinking back on it, where you could have gotten him rolling in those games to build that confidence, build the clean pocket. I mean, hopefully, hopefully that served as like a confidence building crescendo going into <laughs> what what seems to have become a murderer's row of opponents. Mm-hmm. Although, admittedly, you know, only one of those opponents won this weekend. The Orange Crush, if you will, which is what that portion yes. of the schedule used to be nicknamed, uh, and obviously it returns this season. You know, sticking on, though, Alex, the Vandy game, I think one of the interesting narratives that is beginning to arise, I don't even know if it's a narrative, but just something that's kind of coming to the light, and I think it's because of the performance against Vandy. You know, again, you, you get the W, win by double digits, but all of the pressure and all of the focus, and, and deservedly so, right, ha- has been on – Marcus Satterfield and the offense's shortcomings. But you look at the defensive side, Alex, and you look at where they're ranked, and you look at the statistics, especially in stopping the run game, right? And they have struggled mightily, and you allow Vanderbilt to rush for over 200 yards against you, around like 226 yards or something like that, 454 yards of offense is what Vandy was able to put up. And, right, sometimes you got to chalk it to, hey, that was just the flow of the game. Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? But how concerned are you watching that defensive performance when you faced a Vanderbilt offense that was dead last in the SEC in offensive production? And, I mean, they were just going up and down the field on you. I, it, it, it wasn't a great showing by the defense. Um, and – Especially when the they had to put in the like more mobile quarterback in the back half of the second half because we're going to see that in droves this weekend. Um, I don't like I don't know how you go from what we did against Kentucky and A and M to this. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I, I it was. It was somewhat distressing. I, I saw like a great tweet during the game that said, uh, I didn't have, uh, and we've got a shootout in Nashville on my bingo card. <laughs> didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I, I said during the game that this was the, uh, this was the shootout we were all expecting, right? This was the offensive explosion. <laughs> no. <So. laughs> no, not at all. 
Like yeah. I, th- this felt like a this felt like a twenty one ten. We get out of there. Oh yeah. And then you put up thirty one in the first quarter. I was like, all right, well, yeah, let's I mean, see if we I, can hang sixty. You undoubtedly scored more in the first half than I think most fans were expecting you to score the entire game. Right. I mean, it's oh for sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I just you know though, Alex. Again, it's it is really interesting though. Is we just we haven't been giving as much attention to the defensive side because I think too you look. Clayton White, right, what he took over and inherited just was a complete mess, right? I mean, it's crazy to think that Will Muschamp was thought of as this defensive guy, and you could argue defense is why he got fired, right? Because it it was just flat-out abysmal, right? And then going into last season, you lost the likes of Horn, McQuamu, other guys hit the portal. And so the expectations for the defense was so astronomically low. And so he exceeded all expectations, and you led the SEC in picks, and right, you had a really good year defensively. So – and I'm not saying Clayton White shouldn't get patted on the back and shouldn't be told good job, but it's just interesting how the run defense to me, Alex, just continues to be a problem. Um, when you look at the bodies you have up there, and I, I know there's a reason they're recruiting that side or that that uh, the trenches on that side of the ball so hard, and I think there's a reason they're recruiting the linebacker position so hard. I, I think that's a major deficiency and and one of the reasons you struggled in stopping the run. But again, it's just like you saw Vanderbilt getting pushed you know, three, four yards pushing our guys back off the line of scrimmage. And so it just, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it, it's, you, you know, you, it defines what you're going to do the final three games, but, you know, you look at a Florida team, they run the football well. Tennessee can do everything well. And then Clemson, their bread and butter is running the football right now because they don't have an answer at quarterback. So that run defense is going to have to make major strides in the final three games, I think, to give you a shot. Absolutely. But I, I think the most mystifying piece of this whole thing is just that. Why does it come in waves? Like Georgia State runs the ball. I mean, Georgia State, Arkansas, US. and Georgia all ran for over two hundred, and now Vandy right. ran for over two hundred. Right. <laughs> but then, like Kentucky, but like you right. stuff Kentucky, right. you stuff Texas. Right. Like so, what? Yeah. Like how? It's it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about the whole time. Like where you get these slow starts on offense. Like what is like what is that what is that coming from? And, and I Alex, think, like, to, to point, solve it might that be a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, it might be yeah. a one-off. It might be a one-off, but it's 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 hard to watch that and not just be like, hmm, you know? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, something's not – because like you mentioned, I mean, against Kentucky and A&M, your defensive line took over in those ballgames. I mean, they, they did. You know, it looked like – you know, we talked about it. It looked like the vintage performances from 11, 12, 13 where the defensive lines would just really take over, pin their ears back be stingy against the run. And I will say this, by the way, and I'll probably mention this again either today or sometime this week, but Torian Gray, what he's done with the secondary, he's worth his weight in gold because, I mean, obviously the secondary. I mean, you know this, Alex, the Gamecocks lead the SEC right now in interceptions again. Again with 11. That's that's unbelievable. They're obviously doing their job. So if you can ever put, you know, those two together and have that run defense to complement it – you're going to really be cooking on the defensive side. And all things considered, you're doing pretty well, but you're really going to be doing well if you can stop that run eventually. Absolutely. And, like, there's a part of me that wonders if it's if it's just, like, all emotion and hype, right? It's like, can they get themselves in the mindset to be ready to stuff the run like they did against Kentucky? Like, because those are, those are big games for us, right? Those are, you know, you got, you got the Kentucky streak on the line. You're playing a top 15 opponent on the road. It's like, that's easy to get up for. You go back and you play Texas A&M at home, who you've never beaten since they've been in the SEC. 
you you put a pounding on them and then it's like you go to that <laughs> then we go to the Missouri game and you know it like are you able to like emotionally get up for that and like I don't know how else to explain it like because it's such a Jekyll and Hyde thing it's no, no different than the offense looked last year it's like you know we can't we have we have dead Zeb Nolan against Texas A&M and then you, you just absolutely throttle Florida the next week and I, I don't I don't know how to account for that. I really don't. Like, it's just, it's a bizarre thing. But to your point, like, do I think that's something that's going to continue? No, but I don't know how to explain it in the interim. Yeah, I mean, again, Alex, maybe you look at it as a one-off, but uh, what's not a one-off is Beamer Ball and special teams and, and the role that it plays for this football team. And it did yet again, right? Kai Kroger to Tonka Hemingway on the fake uh, the fake field goal, if you will, and uh, you know, I, I, I think this team, Alex, whether fans like it or not, or, you know, whether there's, uh, you know, more left to be desired, obviously, because this is an offensive game and we all want to score points. But defense and special teams, it's kind of what this team just leans on at this point. I mean, again, you're 6-0 and now when you force a turnover and you're 0-3 when you don't. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that correlation, right? Uh, and then, again, you look at no. winning the special teams facet, what Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo are doing, and it's Beamer ball to the moon. Um it's you know it's interesting, Alex. It's it's making. I know it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, and it probably never will be. But it's it's making watching special teams fun. You know what I mean? It's like oh yeah. It's, it's like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and it wasn't something people wanted to hear. Obviously, after the Mizzou game, but this team, it's just such a Beamer team. I mean, this is such a Beamer ball team, right? You, you just, I mean, the special teams plays come on a weekly basis, and the Kai Kroger to Tonka Hemingway pass was just the uh, just the latest. What is Kai Kroger's QBR? High. <laughs> like, Very high. We need to talk about it. We need to get, get shed some light on this mystery. Yeah. I, uh, Has he missed a pass this year? No, and I, and I tweeted during the game. I said, is Kai Kroger the best quarterback on the roster? Yeah. Statistically speaking, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically enough, him and him and Dak Joyner are, are the uh, the top two, I would say. So, um well yeah you're right we, funny, yeah, they haven't missed one yet yeah it's, it's funny you look up kai kroger's stats on espn and it's all his his kicking stats i'm like guys you, you got the wrong stats pulled up here we go passing <laughs> yeah he's uh for his career he's four for four uh four for four for 102 yards and a touchdown not bad <laughs> Not I don't. Bad. I don't know if this RTG at the end is the QB. I don't know if that's QBR. Just his rating, but three hundred ninety-six point seven, whatever it is. I think that's pretty good. So that's. Just, I mean, I, I I take it. <laughs> four, four for four for hundred two yards. You can you can make a living. See now you got me. Now you got me interested. I'm gonna pull up the stats on uh on South kind of football's page here. Let's see the overall passing stats. It, it is wild. Dude, and he throws a pretty ball, too. I tell you, it's you you would not expect the punter slash holder to, you know, to be able to really put any touch on it or anything. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. He he makes it. Yeah, here we go. His, uh, I don't know. Anyways, I, I can't find the QBR, but it's really good. It's really good. So, anyways, it's, it's Beamer ball to the moon, man. I mean, this team has just found their, their knack for winning that phase of the game. And, you know, in an 11-point victory where you win the turnover margin 4-1 to one and you have that play in special teams, I mean, again, it, it shows itself yet again. It was a huge play in that game. Oh, yeah. No, it was, 
it's it, it, it's it, you're right though. I mean, it makes special teams fun to watch, and it's it's all it's it's turned into like this mirror of those old uh, Virginia Tech teams, where it's just like a lunch pail defense, and you're winning the special teams battle, and you do what you got to do on offense. Now, is that what we all wanted it to look like or expected it to look like? I don't think so, but we're winning in year two with help on the way. Like, I think that's all you can ask for. You got to do like, it's going that extra mile and putting emphasis on things that can get you hidden yardage and hidden points and turn that tide during a game that gets you those extra wins. Like that's how you get to seven and six last year. That's how we've gotten six and three this year. Like you've got to do those things until you're, confident enough in the guys that you have on the field to go straight compete with people. And, you know, even when we get those guys, we're still going to have that sitting there. So, I mean, it's building what you want to build. It's just, again, I just go back to, it's just, it's an awful hangover from the must champions where offense couldn't do anything. And, you know, we fortunately didn't see that on Saturday but, you know, now we've got a real stretch of opponents here that's going to test that to the max. And, Alex, to your point, let, let's, let's stop for a moment, right, because we're going to talk about Florida. But before we look at that game, right, you know, when you look at this season from the 30,000-foot view, because I, I posted a clip right before I went live today because, I, 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 you know, I understand – the devil's in the details, right? And the details matter. But when you look at it from that 30,000-foot view and you just look at record, and you don't, you don't necessarily focus on, well, it didn't happen exactly the way we wanted or it didn't look how we wanted. I mean, all things considered, year two of Beamer, you're through nine games, you're six and three. Shane Beamer will have the opportunity, by the way, to do something that no other South Carolina head coach has ever done, not even Steve Spurrier, which is win bowl games in their first two seasons. You've won four games. You went on that four-game winning streak. You had a four-game winning streak for the first time since 2013. You've now won with the win over Vandy, back-to-back SEC road games for the first time since 2012. If you beat Florida, that'd be three straight. Hadn't happened since 2011. You beat Texas A&M for the first time in school history. You beat Kentucky and Lexington for the first time since 2012. I know the Mizzou game sucked. Nobody's denying that. Also, by the way, you beat Vandy for the 14th straight time, which – you know, I know isn't a big deal to some people, but that feels pretty good to have a 14-game winning streak. I don't care who it's against. All that being said, right, I understand when you follow the program the program as closely as we do, right, you're going to focus and lock in on details and uh, the beauties and the banter, right? It's literally what we discuss on a day-in, day-out basis. But if you're able to kind of take yourself out of that and look at this thing, right, the bigger picture, you got to be ecstatic, all things considered, where South Carolina football is. In year two of Shane Beamer, you're six and three going in these last three. You don't have to pull some upset, right, to get to bowl eligibility. And like you mentioned, reinforcements are on the way. Recruiting's going well. Now, we will see if Shane Beamer, what adjustments he makes after the regular season to South Carolina football, if he makes any, right? You know, whether he does or doesn't make an adjustment, that'll be a decision he makes for the future of the program. But again, I I just want to reinforce – Alex, all things considered, and where you sit right now, I'd say South Carolina football, year two of Shane Beamer, is in a very good place. And they've made progress this season that can't be denied. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially if you compare it to, like, the two seasons prior to these. Four and eight and two and – four and eight and two and eight. 
So, I mean, the progress of the program is made is undeniable under Shane Beamer. And I don't think anybody would say we're not going in a positive direction. I think there's just, it's, it's tough to watch Antoine Wells do what he did against Vandy or like what the difference is if you get Jaheim Bell 20 touches a game, what that can look like and why we haven't been doing that. That's, I think that that's the frustration because it's like everybody like after last year was so jazzed up and excited about what this thing could be. And it's just like that part of it has fallen flat for this year. I mean, Lloyd's broken out. Like we've got a genuine top tier running back standing there in the backfield. It's just, I think we thought, or at least I, I know I thought my expectations were a lot higher on what we'd be able to do on the offensive side of the ball. But I think if you take, again, to your point, if you take the 30,000 foot view, yeah, it's, we're go, we're trending in the right direction. And, and I think that's why it's so funny when you when you talk to someone from the national perspective, it's almost like they they have a different viewpoint of Carolina football than than oh, people for sure. that are so deeply connected. And, and again, that's hey, the closer you get, right, the more glaring the deficiencies are. I mean, that, I, I understand that, but it but it is just kind of interesting how. And I don't know, maybe they're just they just want to be nice to me. But like everybody I talk to nationally is like, bro, you guys are great. Beamer's awesome. He's a legend. Y'all are doing well. He's going to get it going there. Like, you know, but when, when you, the closer you get to it, right, the, 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 the more the issues stand out, which, you know, again, not saying there doesn't need to be adjustments made. I mean, you're talking to somebody that released fire sat merch. Trust me. I know there need to be adjustments made. I, I know what needs to change. We all do. But uh, you got to trust that Shane Beamer, again, is going to make those moves and move forward. Now, one last thing before I get off the bandy game, Alex, just really quickly, second half of that ball game, you get outscored 13 to seven by Vanderbilt. Does that concern you at all? Do you feel like it was just a case of you kind of just put it in cruise control? Just overall thoughts on the way the second half of that game played out. I mean, that's what that's kind of what it looked like to me. So, no, I'm not overly concerned about it. I would love – no, I, I'm not concerned about it. I would love – I mean, I would love to see us to get off of, you know, like if we can change that tide to where you're able to get off on fast starts on a more consistent basis – or at least, you know, put points on the board in the first quarter when you got opportunities. Like, I, like we can continue that going. No, I don't have any concern with that. I, to me, it's just like you kind of got up the way you did, and then you start calling a more conservative game plan because you don't want to be giving points away either. For sure. Now, Alex, when you look at the game this weekend, obviously you, you dive back into, uh, you know, I, I would say the – I was going to say upper tier of SEC play, but Florida this season, heck, you got a better record than them. They're five and four, but but much more competition on your level, I think, than the Vanderbilt Commodores. You're going to the Swamp. That's a place you've been, obviously. I mean, you've seen the Swamp literally at its best when you were there in 2006, which, you know, Alex, it's funny, fun, fun side note. I've cried twice watching South kind of football. The first time was the 2004 Georgia game when we were up 16 to nothing and then lost 20 to 16. Do you know it, Alex? The second time was the 06 Florida game. And I'll never forgive Jarvis Moss for it. Should have won that ballgame. Should have won it. Ryan Suckup, I believe that kick was going right down the middle. And, and I remember when I talked well, to Suckup. Well, I mean. I talked to Suckup. He's like, dude, I, I hit a beautiful kick. Boomed it. and Which he did a lot. But 
Anyways, that's neither here nor there. And continues to do. You you were on the field for that, right? Were you on the field for that kid? Yep. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Just that was <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever watched a South Carolina team play so well and lose, right? I mean, let, just go toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country. Like, no flinch. No flinch whatsoever. And, you know, we all know how it played out. But. Yeah, yeah. That was – I mean, that's even before you take into consideration they blocked two other kicks prior yeah, to that one. Yeah. And that was that was by far the most dejected locker room I think I've ever been in in my career. It was just – like, it was almost like no one – it was like you couldn't believe it happened. We were, it, like, it was so quiet, and everybody's just sitting there like, what just happened? And oh, it was, a, it was a quiet trip home. We'll put it that way. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It was a somber night for sure. But, but either way, we've had some more fun memories in the swamp since then. And obviously, you look at this game this weekend, Alex – I think if South Carolina is going to win, it's it's got to be a shootout. I mean, I just look at both defenses. Both defenses struggle to stop the run, especially. You know, I posted the stat yesterday when Florida runs for 210-plus, they're 5-0. and When they don't, they're 0-4. So, for Florida, they need to run the football. For us, we need to force turnovers. I, I think this is a game, though, you, you got to score at minimum 30-plus. And in first-year head coach – you know, with first-year head coach uh, Billy Napier, which is a name that we know very well from the the coaching search that we had, uh, you know, they need this win to punch their ticket to six wins, and obviously Gators are favored. You know, when you look at this matchup, do you think South Carolina can carry over the offensive success they had against Vandy and exploit, again, a Florida defense that you look at the statistics, not very good. Pretty much everybody has scored on them. Uh, so there should be a chance. You know, there really should be an opportunity for South Carolina to keep that positive momentum from the Vandy game going offensively, especially if you get Marshawn Lloyd back for this ball game. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I don't – and this may sound crazy. I don't know that you got to score 30 to win this game because I feel like what's going to happen is – like, like Florida, what Florida does best is run the football. So if you can put – if you can make Anthony Richardson try to carry that team through the air, I think you've given yourself an advantage. Now, you know, two years from now, that's probably not the case. But, you know, I think as it stands right now, I think you give yourself an advantage. And they're going to do the exact same thing to us. They're going to try to shut down that running game and make us beat them through the air. And so you're kind of taking away – I think or if I was doing this, like that would be the game plan. It's like, all right, listen, we're going to shut down what they're good at make them beat us out here because like making them beat you out there really plays to our strength where we've been able to create all these turnovers in the secondary. So I think, I don't think you have to score 30. I think you've got to be able to efficiently throw the ball and not turn the ball over like we did against Vanderbilt to give ourselves a chance. And Alex, just to, to reinforce the, the numbers, by the way, to give you the numbers, Florida is allowing 256 yards per game passing and 185 rushing per game. So, I mean, <laughs> there should be some opportunities in the passing game, you would think. And, and you'd like, you know, I, I'd most certainly like to see. I, I know they got Jaheim Bell heavily involved at running back, and I think some of that was due to necessity, right, with Lloyd being out. But, God, I'd love to see him get going in the passing game, man. Don't you just feel like yes. that's where he's most lethal? I mean, that, that to me, when you look at a Jaheim Bell, that's where he creates the biggest mismatch is in the passing game. 
Oh, for sure. Like, if you can get him matched up on a linebacker somehow, just like I, I would just honestly, I would just love to see us throw him a deep ball. Like, let him run an inside streak and just throw it as far as you can. Let him go get it. Like, pretty well in the that's bowl game. Didn't it? Didn't it? <laughs> and it's, it's shocking that we haven't tried that again since then, um, which I think speaks to my prior points, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, it's. But, but again, like if you can get Van going, if you can get Wells going, like, and then like you've got that focus drafted somewhere else, and then that's where you can hit like big plays with Sogner, Jaheim, like whoever else you want to put on that inside slot. And then if you can effectively run the ball with Marshawn, like you could have a very successful night there, barring any disastrous turnovers, which we didn't have against Vandy, which is, I think, why we had as much success as we had. So, like, if you can avoid turnovers and distribute the football, two-year playmakers, you're going to have success against them. It's whether or not, like, we can get our and, – and, again, I think this just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, this is, a, this is a big game now. Like, so I think that hype is going to be there for that defensive front. So, you know, I think we've got a good opportunity to go in there and notch a seventh win. Yeah, Alex, I, I think the key defensively to that side of the ball, I, I think selling out on the run, right, they are very capable with the likes of uh, of ETN, which we know that name very well, unfortunately, the brother. Yes, of, we do. Uh, yeah, Tre- Trevor ETN. This is Travis ETN, I believe. They've got Johnson as well, which, you know, talking to the Florida guys yesterday, they, are, they just rant and rave about him, how good he's been this season, 549 yards, eight touchdowns. I think you've got to sell out what you really have to do I think you sell out on stopping those guys, and you got to kind of hope that Anthony Richardson, number one, doesn't have his best game, and he's been really good of late, right? Last, last three or four ball games, he's nine touchdowns, no picks. He, he was he was more than willing to turn the football over early in the season. And then also, of course, lean on your secondary, right? They've been so good all year, and, you know, you hope guys like Cam Smith, Darius Rush, Devonnie Reed, those guys in the back end, DQ Smith, they're making big plays for you, but uh, – I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, if Florida's able to go up and down the field running the football, I, I just it, – it's it's going to be a really tough day. Um, you know, what's interesting, Alex, I agree with you. I think this is a bit of a coin flip toss-up game. Florida is minus 320 in this one. You can get the Gamecocks on the money line for plus 250. So, there's a lot of value in taking South Carolina if you think the Gamecocks are going to get the straight-up road win. But, Alex, I, I – you know – in my opinion, you can tell me what you think. I, I think this is yet another game that if you do have to win a shootout, I don't think it bodes well for South Carolina. Uh, getting turnovers on defense, opportunistic, and then making a play in special teams, whether that's a kickoff return, a punt return, a fake, what have you, you know, that same recipe for success, if you can apply that here, I do think you could leave Gainesville with a W. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't love the idea of a shootout. <laughs> I mean, at all. I, so, I mean, anybody that loves the idea of a shootout with Marcus Satterfield behind the wheel, I probably question your sanity a little bit. <laughs> I mean, just saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know if I, Sat even has the word shootout in his vocabulary. I, I doubt it's on the play sheet somewhere. <laughs> um, but like with that, like if you can, if you can, do, if you can play ball control offense and contain Anthony Richardson. You, that's that's how you're gonna win yeah and it's interesting Alex with their offense it's an RPO scheme so he's got the option to run every play and so I think stopping that quarterback run that'll be another big piece of it man and I know at times we've been susceptible to that so the, the play of the edges guys like Edmund Birch 
right? The defensive line. I mean, we, we've got to see that defensive line we saw from the Kentucky and A&M games and sort of have them take over. That happens. Again, I, I think you got a real good shot. Yeah. Unfortunately, the last two pieces of film we've put out there have shown mobile quarterbacks doing some work. So, <laughs> shore it up. <laughs> got to shore it up, no doubt. It's, it's crazy to call Brady Cook mobile, which he is, though. I, I give him credit. He, He's pretty fast. Weird. He's like he's deceptively fast because I look at him like he doesn't look like he should be. But there he goes running right past you. So, yeah, he's he's fast fast enough. That's for sure. Alex, this has been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you taking the time before I get you out here again. We mentioned a little bit earlier the 06 Florida game, but just talk about the swamp, man. What that's like. Uh, You know, college football is full of historic venues and. The swamp is definitely up there with some of the best in college football. You know, it's it's so funny when I, I used to play and still do time to time, but used to play NCAA football like religiously when I was a kid, right? I think the first one I ever got was like NCAA football, I don't know, oh 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 four or something like that. But you know, when they brought in that crowd noise meter thing, yeah, you'd always go to the swamp and it was like they would rate toughest places to play. And like, dude, so many years in a row, the swamp was number one. I mean, it is it is truly one of the most hostile environments in college football. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you got to experience the swamp at its best firsthand in 2006. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's wild how loud it is because like the, the stadium itself is pretty vertical where it just like funnels all that noise back down onto the field. The other thing that's, in, the other thing that's interesting about the swamp is just like how close the stands are to the sidelines. So, I mean, like where you're sitting on the bench – you know, six feet behind you is the student section on the visitor side. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like truthfully, I'm I'm sure I've told the story on the podcast before or the live show before, Um, you know, going down there in 2006 was Spurrier's first time back in the swamp as an opposing coach. And when we got there Saturday, like right after lunch and, you know, we're all out there in a warmups walking around the field like just kind of he came over to where we were standing and was like pointing all the different things about the stadium. Like, Oh yeah, no, the sun's going to start here. It's going to set over here. You know, this is where, you know, the band's going to be student sections over here, you know, just kind of like reminiscing about his time in that venue when it was the toughest place to play in America, I would almost say by far. And like that, that was a, that was a neat thing to watch that be able to like stand there in person with, with him and hear him go through that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it, it gets a little nuts in there. And Garcia mentioned to Alex that uh, Florida week hit a little bit different for coach. Spurrier. I'd, I'd imagine that one, you know, playing them in 05 was one thing, right? You're at Willie B. And I, I remember specifically in 05 when he said, I, I didn't look at the other sideline a whole lot. I didn't look across the field a whole lot because it was weird for him. I'd have to think 06 was – that had to be – I mean, because that, that was just a couple years removed from being Florida State yeah. coach. Like, that that had to be a pretty insane – like, I'd love to sit – get him to sit down one day and talk about it. I'd love to hear for him, like, his personal – because that, that just had to be a wild experience for him. Especially for the game to have ended the way it ended. And then to see fans wearing shirts that says Spurrier is a cock on it. I mean, I, I just, you know. That, <laughs> those, were, those were great. Another layer. It, it, and everybody got to enjoy that. Florida fans, Georgia fans. Everybody got to, got to enjoy the, uh, the Spurrier is a cock merchandise. So. 
anyway. yeah mostly but i would imagine it was mostly ut and georgia fans though yeah yeah they were like i finally get to put on a shirt what i've been saying for 15 years about this guy yeah exactly <laughs> so alex always a pleasure my man i appreciate you taking the time we'll do it again next week all right sounds good buddy absolutely man Appreciate Alex McGrath taking the time to join us. Always a pleasure. Great conversation. Great insight. Uh, guys, it's 12.52 here on a Tuesday. Hey, we'll take one final break because, of course, guys, it is Tuesday. Shane Beamer is going to speak to the media at 1.30. So we will take one break today. And then after that, we'll, take, we'll, we'll have a full-on blitz of your questions, your comments, your calls leading us into that presser at 1.30. Guys, it's all you on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377 here on this Tuesday, November the 8th, 2022. Guys, I want to hear from you. Phone lines are open. Let's get back into your questions again. We will not take another break the rest of this show because, again, we've got Shane Beamer upcoming at 1.30, and that will take up the rest of the show today. So I want to make sure we get enough time in for questions. Obviously, with no uh, basically, I, you know, I'd almost call it no show yesterday. I mean, that, that was, you know, as brutal as the technical issues were. Here we go. To accept, press one. Hunter, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I just have one more question. Um, mm -hmm. I forgot to ask. Yeah. Uh, so, say if we beat uh, Florida this weekend, uh, will we be uh, in the top 25 again? I would probably say no, just because Florida's a 5-4 and four team, unranked. And we are between 34 and 40th in both polls. I don't think we'd jump 10 spots for beating a five and four Florida team. So I doubt it. Beat Tennessee though. Beat Florida yep. and Tennessee though. Then yeah, I think you'll. Uh, I think you'll be back in the top 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly believe that if we, yeah, you know, I, I know we got to focus on one game at a time and everything, but. You know, uh, if, we, if we do beat Florida and we, we get ranked and everything going into Tennessee, uh, I honestly feel like – I still feel like Dan Davis might come if UCLA loses and all. I'd, I'd love to see it, man. I'd love to see college game day in Columbia. But, yeah, you got to beat Florida first. But, uh, no, nah, you know, I, I, yeah, I'd sure. say no. I don't, I don't think uh, – I don't think the Gamecocks will be ranked. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see um, – until after the game. Yeah, we'll find, hey, we'll see what the voters say. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm not an yeah. AP poll voter, so. All right, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Hunter. Thank you so much. Uh, we just had a missed call from New York. I'm sure I know who this is that was calling in. Uh, give us a ring, 843-790-3377. Ben Smith says Florida has much better receivers than people want to give them credit for. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is legit. Richardson's up and down as a passer. Hopefully it's a bad day. Not confident we can stop Florida's rushing attack. Yeah, I no. I listen. I, I think it's going to be a challenge defensively, no doubt. And I mean, there's nothing. You know, maybe it was a one-off. There's a there, there's nothing that you there's nothing that you watch from Saturday's game that makes you feel any better, right? About stopping the run. 
I think we just missed a, a call from Robbie Davis as well. Uh, yeah, give us a call. Flood the phone lines. Want to hear from you. 843-790-337. At this point, guys, here we go. Robbie, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I just got home about 9.30-ish from my mom's house because uh, I went over there and hung out with her, stayed with her mm-hmm. for a couple of days because she had surgery on her neck. They had to fuse. If she told me correctly, she had to fuse a couple of her vertebrae together. Mm-hmm. So she's actually at the hospital talking to the doctor right now and she may or may not be able to go back to work hopefully she's able to go back to work because she told me that she hates sitting around so hopefully the doctor is okay to go back to work Mm -hmm. to an extent okay well but um anywho huh no just saying okay yeah hope the hope the fam uh does well hope the fam does well man keeping keeping the fam in our prayers for sure Thank you very much. And just, just just to go ahead and get this out of the way as well, to all the veterans, thank you, because veterans, veterans Day is coming up. And to just anybody serving, thank you for what you do, because it takes a special person to serve in our military. So to from me to all of the families that have someone serving, thank you. And um, also, I'll go ahead and get to what I was going to talk about. Um, I watched some uh, the first half of the girls' basketball game last night before the show came on, and we just took care of business. As, was, was, as a beat now. was a beatdown. Was a beatdown, no doubt. It was. Uh, it was oh yeah, it was. It was an absolute. Uh, um, it was an ass whooping. Okay, mm. we bent them over our knee and gave them an apple, and they had to take it, and it was bad. Like, part of me almost felt bad, but I was like, you know what? I don't really care. I was like, we don't do well in some other sports, but at least we kick ass in women's basketball. So, to those of you that think girls' basketball is worthless, to South Carolina fans, it is not worthless, okay? Because we haven't had a lot of – I don't really know how successful the girls' team was, before Don Staley got there, it, it wasn't. I mean, hardly. I knew they were good. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't nothing. I knew like- they were, were shocked, hmm. you know. Right, right. But um, anyways, they took care of business. Boston had eleven points and eleven ribbons, so she took care of business. And if and. One of the things that I love about basketball and baseball, okay, those two particular sports in general, is with with those two sports, Chris, if you don't play well against an inferior opponent, the inferior inferior opponent can beat you. Am I right or am I wrong? That's correct. Because if you can't – in baseball, if 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 the pitching staff is not doing well, if you're not hitting the ball well, if you, and in basketball, if you're not making your shots, my percentage shots, playing defense, getting rebounds, making free throws, not making stupid mistakes in both sports, you can win. But if you don't, if you if you make if you make mistakes and a lot of them, you can lose in those two sports, no matter who you're playing against. 
Yeah, it, and, there's much more parity in the game of basketball just because of the way the game is played and uh, right. You know, it, it just in, in football, man. It's and that's why, honestly, like I, I, I will say this: I think baseball is. The and greatest, I know we're I, not I think, quite done I think, with, with football season, but I'm just saying. I, I think baseball is the greatest game on the planet because I think that it doesn't matter in baseball. It doesn't yeah. matter what size you are, or how fat you know. Speed does count, but football is such a brute strength size like if you know you can have all the heart in the world but if you're a 6-2 offensive lineman you don't have a chance you know what I mean like you have to have size baseball yeah. is a skill game it's a skill game um yeah and so, baseball and, and so and ba- I think baseball and basketball qualify as skill game you got to have skill to play both of those. right but yeah I mean there's there's a lot of parity in college basketball man I mean you, you see like teams like you know DePaul beat you know I mean last night for example you saw Sam Houston State beat Oklahoma you saw Stetson beat Florida yeah. State. Like that would never happen on a football field, obviously. So, yeah. yeah, it it would be a miracle if it happened, but the odds of it happening on a football field are it's like practically, practically zero. Yeah, practically zero. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, practically zero to none. Okay, right. And but and it's crazy that. The two, one of the main sports that we're really good at is women's basketball. Okay, like I like I don't know how she does it, but I feel like at this point there's hardly ever any drop off of the women's basketball team. It's almost like all we do is reload and just kick people's butts on a regular basis, and I don't care. If it's women's basketball, if it's baseball, if it's freaking water polo, okay? I don't care. Every fan of every team in the pros or college or or what have you, every fan loves a winner. And right now, John Staley has a winner, okay? And just judging what I saw in the first half, we actually, and unlike last year, we have depth at every position. At one point, we had we had like four players on the court that that, that were not centers, but were not point, were not did not play center by trade. Okay, mm-hmm. we have length, we have speed, and just absolute just. It's crazy how good the girls' basketball team is. Yeah, you're a you're a basketball guy, right? Oh, dude, I it, I don't get me wrong. I love football, love it. But if I could coach a sport, I would probably want to coach basketball for this reason. One, there's only so many defenses you can use in basketball. Okay, mm-hmm. and if you if you've got a if you've got a great basketball mind you can figure out a way to, to, to beat said defense, right? But if they run the defense correctly, it's going to be even harder for you to defend. Right. So then you gotta, you got to think outside the box. And but also, it's not that many players to worry about. It's only 5v5. And with football, it's 11 versus 11. And last night, 
we look like a daggum well-oiled machine. And we just took care of business as expected. Now, was I ex- did we, we didn't start off too well. We couldn't really. We didn't start knocking down threes until like the halfway through the first quarter. But once we got it rolling, right. I, I mean, thought to myself, this could get ugly and get ugly quick. Yeah, I mean, Robbie, I, I, I'll say this. Being a fan of Gamecocks <laughs> women's basketball right now is like being a fan of the Patriots when Tom Brady was quarterback. Like, the, the season doesn't even <laughs> – The season doesn't even start. Until you get to the playoffs, until you get to the to the NCAA tournament, and even then, yeah, and even I then, also, the season doesn't really yeah. start until you get to, I would probably say like the Elite Eight. I mean, I mean, really, truly, because the first two rounds yeah. are just a given. So, um, and, and again, I don't say yeah. that to say that I'm not excited for the regular season, but like Dawn Staley's elevated this program to such a level that again, it's it's like pulling for the Patriots when they had Tom Brady under center, like. The regular season is such an afterthought because we are just so good that it's like who really even stands a chance against us? I mean, in college basketball, excuse me, women's college basketball, I mean, there's only like, I'd argue, five or six teams that really even have a shot at winning the whole thing. So, um, you know, I think – South Carolina is one of them. Yeah, (laughs) and I I think this team for sure, man, is is, uh, well on their way to – I mean, we expected what happened last night against East Tennessee State to happen, but – now nah, they're they're well on their way to going right. back to back, and I, I've predicted that for them. I mean, I, I you know, it's Carolina versus the field. I I, I know there's some good teams out there, but how, how can you <laughs> right. how can you pick against the Gamecocks team that has four or five starters back? Right. You got Zaya Cook back. No. Aaliyah, Aaliyah Boston still the best player in women's college basketball. Dawn Staley is still the best coach in women's college basketball. So I I think right. it's South Carolina's trophy to lose this season. Exactly. And they showed the, uh, the, the, the number of players on East Tennessee. They have 14 total. 12 of the 14 are sophomores and freshmen. So if all of those girls come back, I think East Tennessee could turn into something as far as their conference goes. They could very easily in the next year or so, or two, the next two to three years, win their conference title in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, um, but anyway, let's get, let's get to the uh, meat and potatoes of the conversation. We're going to talk about some uh, Florida Gator meat. Why don't we? Okay. Yeah. What do you, Robbie? In order for us to have a shot, obviously, as always to beat Florida in wait, Florida comes to us, right? We go to Florida. Okay, so we go to Florida, and then Tennessee comes to us. Okay. Yes, yes. I got it figured out now. Okay, so in order for – now, obviously, like you said earlier before going to break, right, with, with uh, Alex, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The swamp is not an easy place to play, regardless of how the team looks. The swamp is an absolute nightmare once that crowd gets to cooking, Okay. And in order for us to have a shot, like I said against Texas A&M, hang on to the football, make their defense, make their defense have to stop. Because if they if they start thinking, oh crap, I better do something and do something quick, 
someone on that Florida defense is going to make a mistake and we are going to wind up scoring. And that, I believe, is one of the main keys. Obviously, winning the special teams battle and winning the turnover battle is a given. Okay, we have got to take just just go out there and just whatever you gotta do, do it without getting penalties on you, okay? Get but do it without getting penalties called on you. And if the defensive line plays the way they played against Kentucky, I honestly don't think Florida has a chance. But then again, their quarterback is pretty decent and like I always say if you can get to the quarterback early and often and rattle him a little bit he's going to make a mistake and we'll wind up getting some turnovers and capitalizing off of them and but it's not going to be easy yeah because like I preach all the time you do not win a football game on paper no matter who you're playing against it doesn't matter okay does not matter Mm. you've got to go out there and execute. The coach's job is to get you ready. The player's job, the player's job is to do what the do what the coach calls on both sides of the ball, and execute. The yeah. team that executes wins the football game. Okay. Yes, we got outscored against Bandy in the second half, but you know what? At the end of the day, we had more points on the scoreboard, and we won against Bandy for what, like the fourteenth time in a row. If my math is correct in my head right now. Yeah. And figure out, and like I said, like I've always said, we've got, Satterfield has got to figure out a way to get Stogner the football. Mm. Stogner is too damn good for you to waste his talent. Figure out a way to get a linebacker on it. And I don't think a linebacker can stay with him, to be honest. Well said. Robbie, I'm going to let Not you go. We're gonna, we're gonna, hey, we're going to squeeze some more calls in here. We're going to squeeze some more calls. This is turning to the Robbie no Davis. Robbie, you're the man. Appreciate it. Turn to the Robbie Davis show. Love, Robbie. <laughs> 75 to 60. So we'll see what we'll see what this call holds. William, what's up, man? How are you? No, I knew that was gonna be a BS. Call from here we go. Frank. Frank, what's up, man? How are you? How you doing today, my man? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's up, Frank? Good. You know, I want to know it all from the north. We're back. <laughs> I got you uh, last week. Last week it. you had a great point about not, uh, how we won this game. People weren't gonna be happy. You know, so uh, I found my joy. Shout out to uh, Coach Beamer. <laughs> you know, I found, found my joy in the win, but it feels like we uh, we won Talladega, but we wrecked the car. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, especially that second second half. I was I was not thrilled with the was not thrilled in the second half getting outscored thirteen to seven. But you know, it is what it is. You take the victory. You got yeah. We got to take you know we got to take some heat too. You, you got the uh, Ryan Day out there in Ohio taking heat for a, a 14-point win on the road in a in a storm. And, you know, if they're going to give them some heat, then we're going to have to take some heat for the win, too. 
Right. No, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, I look at the Vandy game a lot like we looked at Charlotte, SC State, Georgia State, where it's like when you're playing that level of competition, you sort of have to nitpick, right? You, you have to because style points are just are at such a premium in college football. So, you know, that's where we are. But, hey, you're happy to get a double-digit win on the road in the SEC. You'll, you'll never turn that down. So, I'm, I'm very joyous oh, here yeah. on this Tuesday in case you were wondering, Clay. No, yeah, I got I got the joy. So I got I got you, Shane. Me and you are in the same camp. You know, uh, Vandy's done. Vandy's in it, but we got Florida coming up. You know, uh, so I guess this is kind of like this is like an identity game for us. What kind of program do you want to be? You know, sooner or later, uh, you're gonna have to start beating teams that are better than you. Mm-hmm. And and on paper, it looks like they're the favorite. Um, if we can go down and pull off this win. I think that is really, you know, we are where we are. Like you said, 30,000 feet, six and three. Uh, we won some we shouldn't have won. We lost some we shouldn't have lost. But, mm-hmm. you know, here we are. Uh, I think we can win this game. Uh, hopefully we do. Uh, and then, you know, like we said, seven and five, win a bowl game, and then we get to keep sat. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everybody's dream so, scenario, uh, right? You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that second scenario we mm-hmm. talked about but mm-hmm. you know so you know I, I like i said you know we got we can do this uh I, i'm going to be down there for the tennessee game and uh unfortunately uh that's a hornet's nest that's been kicked mm-hmm. and they're going to be fighting for uh for some playoff uh you know respect and uh i'm just hoping for a uh <laughs> i'm just hoping for a little bit of fun yeah uh we'll, we'll figure it out yeah, I, I will. I will be in the building as well, Frank. So you know, we we we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, yeah, would love to. You know, would love to beat Florida and set up a. You know, maybe a little bit bit of, bigger of a matchup. And hey, you never know at night at Willie B. So. Yeah. No. Listen. This is it. Uh, this is where we need a balanced game. Uh, you can't complain about defense because I think they actually played good all year. Uh, it had a little slip against Vandy, but that's okay. Uh, let's get some offensive production and we'll. Hold them on D, and maybe we could walk away with a W. Yep, I think this game is about offense for sure, my friend. I think you're spot on. Yep, yep. Okay, my man, you have a great day. Hey, Frank, appreciate the call, my man. Great stuff from Frank there, guys. Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. Appreciate you all calling in. Uh, I think a lot of folks are obviously off work today for uh, election day, if you will. Kids out of school, I believe. Is that right too? Probably why we've had the, the return of Spider-Man. I think that's probably why. Kids are at school, at home, bored, watching the Spurs Up show. Figure, why not? I'll call in, and my buddies will think I'm really cool for doing so. But, hey, whatever it is, what it is, man. You just, we're, we're not at the point right now where, where, where we're able to filter call. Uh, let's, let's, let's jump the phone lines here. What's going on? How are you? Hi, Chris. How are you? How are you? Uh, you know, I, I don't even smell it. I think honestly, I'm going to probably just upgrade to a new interface. I've got this, I mean, I've got a nice interface, but had it for a while and might be time to, to go premium on the interface. So we're, we're, we're making it rock though. We're making some shake. We're getting through it. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I've, I've actually, cause you know, I do the Warzone streams and so I'm streaming like multiple places and stuff. Right. If I don't open my screens or something in a certain order, it just throws my whole audio on. Yeah. I don't open this box first, and I open this one, the whole thing's messed up, and I got to reset everything. So, yeah. Hey, um, so I just want to tell you, and, 
and I, uh, I was going to just shoot you a message, but I didn't want to call in today anyway. Um, I'd like to talk to you off air about something because uh, depending on that conversation, um, I may not call into the show anymore. Um, it's, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And there's nothing to do with your show, anything like that. I would still be tuning in and watching. I would just not make my presence so much. But I just want to talk about um, what I've seen in the breakdowns from this last week because a lot of the heat we heard about the, the rushing, you know, their rushing attack against us and the yards that they gained on us was, you know, it was our D line was atrocious. And man, uh, that wasn't true. Um, uh, the D line. Elon was basically our only defense against the read option, and they were so read option heavy. For me and what I've broken down, it was scheme. You know, I've said, and you've probably heard me say before, Clayton White never, ever, hardly ever, I want to say never because that's something I just talked about is don't speak in absolute. Like, we never run slants. Well, we do some. It's not enough. It's not that we never. So I don't want to make the same mistake and say never, but he does not use a spy very often uh, there was no spy in Vandy and there wasn't a spy in the zoo until the end of the game. And I've called for that. And you've heard me call for that in other games. And it's just, there's never a spy. And it's not, Hey, you can't have a spy on every play. Of course not. You got to mix that in. And there's some other things and whatnot, but as far as the run game, when we are dealing with mobile quarterbacks and read options, that's where most of these run yards are coming from. It's not like that a straight run scheme that's, that's killing our guys. Our D linemen are getting into the backfield consistently. But on a read option, that doesn't matter because the quarterback pulls the ball, you know? We need a spy to clean that up. The other part of that was Clayton is kind of dependent on his linebackers to clean those up, and we are a little weak there. You know, uh, Sherrod Green and Debo um, Williams kind of they get a little out of position they miss the hole or they overcommit to like, like the D line's already closed up the center. The D line did a great job. They closed up the center hole. You need your linebackers to contain the edge in those scenarios. And, but you'll see the, the you'll see Sherrod or Debo run right into the same pile where there's no hole anymore. And then they get caught up and they're trying to get outside the contain, but it's too late. So it's, it's not been the D line. Yeah. It, it's, it's been, other factors in there, some scheme issues and linebackers are causing us some issues there. And if we don't fix that, if we don't fix that going into this Saturday, it's not going to be, we're not going to beat Florida like we did last year if we don't. AR is inconsistent, but he is playing better this year than he did last year, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I mentioned over the last, over the last three games or four games or whatever the stat is, he's uh, nine TDs, no picks. So he's playing his best football of the season. And I, I mean, you know, whatever it is, I agree with you. We, we have to, we have to slow down the run game. And again, you're at the, you're at this point. You know, you're at a point in the season where, you know, early on in the year, you can you can write off trends and stats as hey, we don't have a, enough of a sample size. But you, you get to this point in the year, and teams just kind of are who they are, and, and their identities are kind of established and. Florida five and zero when they run for two ten plus, zero and four when they don't. So I mean it's 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 like if you want to win this ball game, you're going to have to slow down the Florida run game. Like I just, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. So our our biggest defense against Vandy, and this is Vandy. I mean, Vandy and Florida are not the same. Our biggest right. defense against the read option 
was whether or not Zach Pickens could get into the backfield quick enough. Yeah. And, you know, he did a lot. Or, you know, some of the other D linemen did too. But Zach was back there a lot. I heard, I've heard people pick at Zach. He never, he's not doing anything. I'm like, dude, you're kidding me. You know, literally our whole read option defense against Vandy was, could Zach Pickens get into the backfield? And you can't count on that on every play. You can't count on your D line to penetrate every play. And guess what? If it wasn't Zach, somebody else was in backfield. Now, they might not have made the play, but they've got to have other people to clean it up. And that's where the linebackers or a spy have to come into play. My thing on that is, if Sherrod Green, if we can see that Sherrod Green and Debo Williams are not always in position to put holes and things, one of them, if you turn them into the spy and have them focus on, you know, the quarterback, their focus becomes, I got to keep the quarterback contained. I can't get stuff up into the line. I have to contain the quarterback. It allows everybody else on the defensive line, the linebackers, to go focus on all the other players and crash the plays and shut the plays down that way. But when you're in a read option scenario and you don't know, because I've heard, oh, well, Jordan Burks always crashes in. Well, guess what? I got a breakdown coming out today. Very first play of the, of the second half, read option. Jordan Burks didn't crash in on, on the, on the run back, running back. Guess what? The running back broke it. <laughs> you know? So it's like you can't just sit there and go, well, Jordan Burks always crashes in on the running back, and, and he's supposed to be responsible for the quarterback. That's not true. Read options are there for a reason. You know, it's not it's not a hey, he's supposed to contain the quarterback. And that's not how a read option works. And they have they have you know they they're told you know going into a certain series or certain plays who they want them to key in on as well. It's like hey, I want you to key in on the quarterback. You know, make sure we don't let the quarterback get out of this. You know, on these read options. Or hey, I want you to key in on the running back. If you don't have if if you're if you're in there trying to make that decision about who to go for and you don't have that spy sometimes backing you up, you have to make a decision one way or the other. Now, if you have a spy on the quarterback and you're in that backfield already, you know you can commit to the running back because you've got somebody there to back you up for the QB. Or it could be vice versa. You can spy the running back, let the guy commit to the QB, but he knows he has that backup for, you know, for, for whoever he's not going for. But right now, we, we're not seeing that. So that, that's yeah. That's going to be huge, man. That, yeah, I was going to say, with all that being said, the question is, are we out the run, yes or no? Because <laughs> that's all that really matters in the day, whether it's, uh, you know, it, we, we've got to be able to slow down the run game. Now, the other issue I'm seeing is Clayton White seems to get very predictable in his play calls. It's like a whole series is all zone, or a whole series is all a bunch of blitzes, or a whole series is just straight man. So it's never like, Hey, here's a zone play. Now we're going to run a man play. Now we're going to run a spy play. You know, it's like literally zone, 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 zone. Man, 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 man. Blitz, 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 blitz. Now he's backed off the blitzes a lot. I think he finally realized, damn, my D line's pretty good. I don't need to blitz so much. We get pressure on everybody without without throwing blitzes, and the, and, and the blitzes have backed off a lot. So um, that that's been that's been a huge change for us. Uh, that was. That started back in Kentucky, um, and that was I thought that was a huge difference in allowing us to you know shut down their pass game because we weren't leaving our DBs on an island quite as much. Yeah. Um, and then he's got to he's got to catch double teams. Now I don't I got to look at Florida a little bit more. I don't know who their big play 
who's their big playmaking wide receiver? Do they have one? You know, and he's, he's not seeing that and going, hey, I got to go double team this guy at least a couple of plays, you know, back to back. So they, they go, oh, we can't just go to him. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to happen some, but I, I just don't see the double team coming. That's all scheme stuff, man. This isn't – our DBs are amazing. We've got an amazing DB crew. I heard people going, well, we're thin on defense. Man, yeah. the guys who have stepped in, Gilbert Edmund is killing it, bro. He is killing – listen to me. Everybody's like, oh, he's not really good against the run. I'm like, shit, he's not good against the run. He's in the backfield shutting down run plays as much as he's in the backfield shutting down pass plays. He's always doing great. Doc and Hemingway's doing amazing. So don't yeah. – Bree, hate to cut you off. Yeah. Beamer in 30 seconds. We got Beamer in 30 seconds. So, no, you're good. Uh, like I said, if you, if, if you don't mind reaching out, you know, if you can, you know, uh, I'd like to talk with you, you know, off air. So. Yeah, no, I'll hit you up for sure. I, I appreciate you calling in. All right. All right, buddy. All right, Bree, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to bring Beamer up onto the screen, guys. Again, I apologize for – some technical issues. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's got to do with the interface. I think we're going to, we're going to upgrade. It's, it's, it's been a while. So anyways, all right, let's go ahead and get him on. Uh, we'll talk after. I uh, played a great half of football two weeks ago against uh, Georgia in the second half, carried that over to their performance in college station last Saturday with their best performance of the year in a uh, certainly a dominant second half against Texas A&M. Uh, they're good in all three phases. Obviously, everything starts with the quarterback. He's a, an elite player uh, and a weapon. Every time the ball's in his hands, running, throwing, you name it, he's just so impressive to watch. Uh, good defense, weapons everywhere on special teams. They're you, similar to last week. We're going to have to go <clears throat> beat them. They don't beat themselves. They're number one in the SEC right now in turnover margin. Uh, they're one of the fewest penalized teams in the SEC as well. So they're doing a lot of things right and getting better each week. You know, it'll be a great environment uh, down in the swamp. I believe it's a sellout from what I heard and, and uh, should be a fantastic atmosphere. And Looking forward to getting down there and playing on Saturday afternoon. Questions? Shana, you mentioned that BJ was going to have an MRR. The results of that back? Uh, results are back. I'd say he's day to day. Nothing long term. Just kind of see how quickly he can uh, see how quickly he can respond to, to treatment. He wasn't able to do much today in uh, in practice, and I'm sure you'll ask about the other guys as well. Marshawn told me he was Marshawn was limited today, but told me he felt uh, a lot better than he thought he was going to feel as well. So uh, Spalding is done for the year. I know I mentioned that Saturday in Nashville. Hate that for him, but wish him well in his recovery. And then, um, you know, beyond that, it's it's a handful of guys that are that are questionable right now. And specifically in the secondary, Shane, I mean, just because the bodies are getting kind of thin. Any thought of maybe moving a couple of spare receivers over to take reps? Have you guys taken that step yet? <laughs> it's funny. Do you, or do you have our facility bugged? Because <laughs> I literally was just in the defensive staff room talking about that with Clayton and Torian and the guys before I walked down here. Um, we're thin just with injuries. There's no question about it, uh, but we're not to that point yet. Um, you know, you hate to lose a, a Spalding and and other guys that are that are that are banged up, but um, we're not to that point yet where we have to start. You know, moving people. Uh, I'm moving people over yet, but we are thin, and thankfully, knock on wood, our our starters for the most part are are healthy. But certainly, we've got some young guys, and and 
fortunately, the way we practice allows, you know, our entire team to try and improve as the year goes along. So that's allowed the young, young defensive backs that haven't maybe played as much to get better throughout the season and potentially, you know, play them uh, late in the season if we needed to in a, in a bind. Coach, I've been asking the players, Kai and Rush, but have you found this week that breakfast has been a little sweeter once you got that bowl eligibility locked up now moving forward? It's uh, sweeter, but by no means are we satisfied. Uh, certainly, we're very proud to be bowl eligible. There's a lot of teams across the country right now that are sitting there with either three wins, four wins, or five wins that are fighting like crazy to get bowl eligible storied programs in college football. Uh, so I don't take for granted being bowl eligible. It's a it's a hell of an accomplishment uh, in year two with after nine games. But we should not. We can be happy about it, but none of us are, are – are, we better not be satisfied. We better still be hungry. There's a lot left to accomplish. Talked about it as a team this morning. The, the guys that came back this year for another year when they didn't have to, Zach Pickens, Javon Gwynn, whoever, I don't think they came back just to go to a bowl. You know, I think they had higher expectations than that, and let's try and be better than our last year. Last year, our final, our regular season record was six and six, and and we'd surely uh, like to be better than that this year. But going to take a lot of work. But the way we practiced today uh, looked like a team that was not satisfied with just having six wins. Shane, you got a favorite Tom Petty song? <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of good ones. And I guess the run defense has been. Not great, maybe the last two weeks. Watching film and kind of reviewing some of that stuff, what have been some of the biggest deficiencies in, in trying to stop the run? I think going back to last week was just uh, missed tackles, honestly. I mean, when you miss tackles, you give up explosive runs. And um, uh, we 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 uh, uh, got out of misfit a couple gaps against Vanderbilt um, for sure that we weren't where exactly where we needed to be or we came in there with the proper, you know, the incorrect leverage or whatever it may be. And, um, and then a run spit out of there. But, you know, typically if you can fit the run the right way and at least tackle well, you, um, you're going to be pretty good from a run defense standpoint. And we weren't good enough last week at, at tackling and, and certainly misfit some runs. But I don't think it's something that's we're in uh, panic mode because we've been pretty good at it for the most part and, and, and handled some run games here leading up to that. We just have, we haven't been good enough the last couple of weeks or for sure. And this is a, a, a really big challenge this week, not just tackling their running backs who are talented, but it's a really, really physical offensive line and a unbelievable quarterback as well that if he gets rolling, you're not going to catch him. So we've got to really be sound if, and fit in the run and, and getting 11 hats to the ball. Hey. Anthony, you know, what has stood out about him on film and how does he kind of compare to some of the other guys you face? You know, your KJ Jeffersons and your Mike Wrights and all of that who yeah. caused problems for you this year. His size and, I mean, where do you want me to start? His size stands out. His speed stands out. His arm strength stands out. He's a guy, I mean, you saw it against, uh, it was LSU. I mean, he had a 80-something yard touchdown run where guys are just literally bouncing off of him. And I don't know who all of their players and their 40 times and all that, but if if they got anybody on that team faster than him, it's scary because he's so fast, he's so athletic, he's hard to bring down. But then he's just got unbelievable arm strength. I mean, he can make every throw on the field. And uh, he's he's immensely talented, and there's a reason when you look at – 
um, some of the gurus out there and their draft projections and all that. There's a reason you see him as one of the you know, top four or five quarterbacks in the, uh, in the draft for whenever he comes out. So he's really, really talented, and he's got some great players around him also. Yeah, another one on, on Richardson. Um, how, how do you feel like uh, Clayton's defense has gone against mobile quarterbacks and, and being able to stop those guys? And, and you know, what's, what's the biggest key to, to being able to do that this week with the personnel you have this year? Yeah, um, I mean, I think good. Uh, it's easy for people to point out, well, played Arkansas and it didn't go so well or whoever. Well, there's also a lot of mobile quarterbacks we've faced that we've, that we've handled as well. And... Um, you know, I think it, one goes back to putting together a, a great plan. Uh, two, everybody just doing their job. And when you talk about stopping the run, and I've said it before, most people think, okay, well, that's the defensive line and the linebackers. Well, it's the secondary as well. We got to make sure that our defensive backs are, are fitting the run and coming up there with physicality and and uh, and the proper leverage. It's it's effort to the ball, getting 11, 11 guys around there. So I'm sure Clayton would tell you that you know you always need to be better without a doubt. And we weren't good enough um, against Arkansas for sure. And and certainly with uh, Vanderbilt's quarterback last week, he some runs popped out with him as well. Um, and that's going to happen. I mean, they're going to make their plays as well. We just got to make sure that we do a good job of limiting limiting the explosives and, and, um, and getting stops. Shane, kind of a philosophical bigger picture question is, um, is running the ball successfully in defense still the keys, the bedrock to winning in the SEC? Or has that changed since your time when you first started in this league? No, I believe that it's, uh, it's still critical. Um, when we, ha we have our goals each week as far as uh, how we want to win football games and when we reach our goal of what we expect yards per carry for running the football, we're, we're undefeated. Uh, we haven't lost a game ever since I've been here when we reach our goal of running the ball. Because I think when you're running the ball, all the other things that we talk about uh, open up and present themselves, explosive plays and and um, staying on the field and not having a lot of third downs and all the other situational stuff. But I, I believe it's there, there's some high-octane offenses. There's no question about it. But if you look back to last year, the two teams that played for the national championship last year, Georgia and Bama, if I'm not mistaken, they were number one and number two in run def stopping the run. So it's still – Kirby said it last week after the Tennessee game. You better start, stop the run first um, before you even worry about anything else. you got to stop the run. So, uh, no, it's, it's, it's certainly – there's different style of offenses than when I got into coaching back in 2000. But I still believe that – You've got to be able to run the ball effectively, and you've got to be able to stop the run effectively to uh, to get to where you ultimately want to go. Another deep philosophical question: How do you feel about the color orange? Because you're going to be seeing a lot of it the next few weeks. <laughs> um, as a color that I wear, I'm not against it uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, uh, my alma mater was maroon and orange. It was is their colors. At Virginia Tech, but certainly it's uh, we are going to be seeing a lot of it. So I'm not a fan of orange this month for with, with, for sure. Uh, but 365 days a year, I don't say that I I don't wear it. I mean, I think I've got a pair of tennis shoes with some orange trim in them that I wear from time to time. <laughs> Good question, though. <laughs> Shane, continuing with the orange theme today. Um, 
some people call this the orange crush part of your schedule because yeah. you guys played these same teams in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, way before you were here. What do you what do you think of that term? And is it, you know, a November for some great opportunities for your team collectively and individually? Yeah, I think that the term is is right on, Gene. It is. I mean, it's we're going to be seeing a whole a whole lot of orange, uh, orange the next three weeks for sure. And it's absolutely an opportunity. There's the old saying, they remember November. And, you know, that's been something that's been said since I got into coaching. Uh, Coach Fulmer at Tennessee used to say that all the time uh, to the teams when I was a graduate assistant there. And, and you do. And I think our guys realize that we're, we, we got bowl eligible the first weekend in November, but we're not satisfied. There should be a great hunger, and there's a great opportunity to do some special things if we can do what we want to do here over the next uh, three weeks. And it's an unbelievable challenge. I mean, it's a really good and improving Florida team. And then, you know, the next two teams that we're about to play after that, we're both ranked in the top, whatever it was last week, five, six in the country last week. And uh, so we know what a challenge it is, but with, with big challenges come unbelievable opportunities as well. But, you know, right now our focus is on nothing, nothing beyond this week and trying to be a better team this Saturday in Gainesville than what we were in Nashville last week. Shane, I know you mentioned running a lot of the same offensive plays against Vanderbilt than you did against Missouri and, and going back. But how much of what you guys did Saturday is replicable moving forward into these final three games? I think a lot. Uh, I mean, I know a lot, and it is. I mean, a lot of the things that – I mean, everything that we ran last week, I'm sure there's something, but there's really nothing that jumps off the top of my head, Colin, that was like a new play that we put in uh, for Vanderbilt. I mean, it's things that we have – been running this year and we were in some things that we've called this year and it looked better last week than maybe it looked in in previous weeks but we uh going forward a lot of it is and all of it really and to me is is um is replicable certainly we want to continue to expand roles and we want to continue to be able to run the ball efficiently and take shots down the field and be good on the perimeter which is what we were the other night against Vanderbilt and uh but then you know, also, you always got to stay kind of one step ahead. And, and we've got, what, nine games worth of video of opponents that are watching what we've done this season as well. So you got to continue to do a great job of self-scouting and, and, and staying one step ahead of your opponent also and what they're trying to do to stop you. Coach, when you were an assistant at South Carolina, Billy Napier was an assistant at Clemson throughout that duration. So – just from what you've seen from afar and maybe in the times that you two have crossed paths, what are your overall impressions of him as a coach? Yeah, uh, impressed. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of those guys, when I first got to South Carolina, Dabo was an assistant coach at Clemson. And then um, he got the job, and Jeff Scott, I guess, replaced Dabo as an on-field coach. And then Billy came in, and I guess my last year at Carolina was – 2010 I think Billy was the coordinator that year if I'm not mistaken so somebody that um, got a lot of respect for uh, he did a good job when he was at Clemson and then since he left Clemson the stops he's had and the success that he's had as a as a coach and and a uh, and a recruiter I mean somebody that that um, we certainly have respect for when I was here as an assistant coach and then what he's done since he left Clemson's really really impressive um, also and and did a great job at Louisiana as a uh, as a head coach there and, and is certainly on track to doing good things in Gainesville also. Hey, Shane, going back to your last year as an assistant here, 2010, uh, the win down at Florida, one of the biggest in the history uh, of the Gamecock program. Yeah. 
What do you remember specifically about that night, especially the atmosphere and just overall impact that it had on the program? Yeah, see, those are the good questions, Rick. I like those, man. Um, in the sick, twisted way that I am, I remember that was a night game, stayed in Ocala. I remember my wife was on the trip, and we had some free time that afternoon, and we went for a walk, and I remember just vividly being on the walk, thinking, okay, when we kick off to start the game, do we want to kick to the left, we want to kick to the right, left, right, just kind of thinking back and through how do we want to start the game, and clearly I made the wrong choice because we kicked off, and they ran it back for a kickoff on the opening touchdown in the game, and I'm like, you got to be shooting me right here on, uh, on this one. Like, the biggest game that we've had here at South Carolina – I remember Urban Meyer being on his coach's show the week before talking about we need to make the Swamp the loudest it's ever been to this Saturday night and how do we start the game by me as the special teams coach giving up a 90-something yard touchdown run or kickoff return to start it. But then after that, I think about what an awesome night it was for South Carolina. I remember you know just all three phases playing well. Um, Marcus Lattimore and just the, the game that he had that night and just putting that team, you know, on uh, on his shoulders and, and, and carrying us to victory and then running away with it, you know, to be able to face that adversity on the first play but not flinch and just some unbelievable great players that were on the field that night and to um, – being, and it being pretty special for Coach Spurrier as well to win the SEC East in the stadium that he had so much success in. Also, that was an awesome night. And, and a, a, again, a <clears throat> validation and testament to what can be done here. You know, we won the SEC, SEC East that night and uh, clinched, uh, clinched an opportunity to go play in Atlanta for the SEC championship. So we've sh we showed that night that it could, that it could be done. And um, we're working really, really hard now to uh, to get back to that point and 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 do it again. Uh, I know you said it earlier that you're not quite at the receivers playing defense point, but in general, with team playing running back and guys moving around, what goes into kind of giving a guy a crash course on a new position in the middle of a game prep week? Yeah, it's a it starts with the player first and foremost. I mean, they've got to be just football smart and, and, and intelligent and, and those guys are and certainly some extra meeting time and, and practice time. But I think the other thing too is you you hopefully, you know, when you when you're uh, teaching and, and coaching your position, I always thought and it's the truth as an assistant coach, like you really want everybody to have a big picture understanding of what's going on. Not so not just, okay, you're the tight end and when we call this, you're running this route having an understanding of what everybody's doing around you so you could go to any position and just jump right in and 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 have a have a good baseline from a learning standpoint if that makes sense so that's the biggest thing it's it's it really is a crash course or crash course it's 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 like uh prepping for a test at the last minute or whatever it may be and it's extra time and investing and and good coaching and good teaching and 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 and, uh, and good learning as well Shane, I know we talked about last year with Parker White. He should have been a Groza finalist. Uh, I imagine I will probably get some some nods for the guy award. Do, do we need to start talking about the Heisman Trophy with him? Or, or? we, um, it would be a travesty if he wasn't one of the top guys in line for the for the uh, uh, guy award. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He's just um, he's a talented punter, as we've shown. He's controlled field position for us. He's uh, a weapon when the ball's in his hands. I mean, the throw that he made to, 
The fake punt against Georgia was a great throw. The throw last week was a great throw to Tonka. And uh, he's just a really, really good football player and a great leader for this football team. So, yeah, any accolades that, that come his way are, are well-deserved. Getting kind of late in the season now, and I know you've had a lot of opportunity or some opportunity at least to watch some of these freshmen grow up a little bit and wanted to see if you could comment specifically on, on your two freshman quarterbacks or, or three, I guess, if you want to, and also uh, uh, Anthony Rose and Landon Sampson on, on how you've seen each individually progress. Yeah, I think Rose has been uh, really, really, really good. He, um, he's really doing well in the classroom, proud of him from that standpoint. And then he gets better on the field as well. Uh, Landon has worked hard to get stronger and, and change his body and, uh, and, and be a solid receiver for us. He's done some good things and is on track. And then I like these, I like the freshman quarterbacks. Braden was obviously here during spring practice, so we saw him. And he's, he's having a nice fall. Uh, Tanner Bailey, we actually took on the trip with us to Nashville last weekend. Tanner is one that continues to get better and really, really works to learn to learn the position. And then, and then Jalen Daniels also is a guy that um, he's got immense physical tools and and really takes practice seriously and tries to tries to get better. And I've mentioned a couple times to you guys those Sunday evening practices that we have. You know, the last couple of weeks we've we've two weeks ago and then even a little bit last week we were out there maybe a little bit longer than I wanted to because we basically just scrimmage with the young guys, our developmental guys, at the end of the practice. I mean, and it is intense, and our players, our older guys, they take great pride in their side of the ball, and Rose made a great interception in that, in that, in that uh, practice Sunday, Sunday night. Jalen, Tanner, Braden, they've made some really good throws in that thing on Sunday night. So I'm excited about those guys. I'm really excited about the whole freshman class in general. They're doing great things off the field uh, academically and socially, and then they're really, really working hard and doing some great things on the field, whether it's a guy like Nick and DQ who are playing right now or whether it's a guy like those guys you just mentioned that are uh, red-shirting at this point but, but making progress. And I guess just to kind of follow up on that, it looks like a lot of those guys will be able to redshirt, but I guess they still have games that they could play in. Yeah. Or, or any of the freshmen who maybe haven't played a whole lot, is that any any guy you're looking to get on the field in special teams or in some, some sort of capacity now that their red shirts are secure? No, but I think each week is, each week is different. You know, certainly um, – the the one position that would maybe jump out would be defensive back just because one our health back there we are a little banged up but two because we play so many defensive backs and you know there were times against Vanderbilt the other night where we had six defensive backs on the field like our six DB package and when you're doing that well that's six bodies and six backups that you need plus special teams as well so certainly as we go through these last three regular season games and in the bowl game certainly um we're continuing to try and bring some of these young defensive backs along that haven't played yet but you know you hope you don't need them but may need to be uh may need to be called on we had uh we had keenan nelson on the trip we took him to nashville last week one for the experience but then two you know he's getting closer to to playing one because he's working really really hard and he deserves it, and, and two, because we, we had some health issues last week in Nashville going into the game DB-wise.
Hey, Coach, you guys have won back-to-back -back road games for the first time since 2012. Um, oh, man. That's uh, a layup going on now. Yeah. What, are, um, what are you telling your guys this week going into such a tough environment like the Swamp? Uh, we don't talk a lot about it. Really, it's, it's about us, and, and it always is. And, you know, we just – Talked a little bit about it this morning, that it's one of the great venues in college football, and it'll be an awesome environment. It's a sellout. It's, it's, uh, it'll be a great day down in Florida, and what a cool place it is. Um, what a cool place it is to play. But beyond that, it's about us and, and preparing the right way to go play well. And, um, you know, we don't make a big deal about where we're going into. We make sure they're aware of what it looks like. We'll go look at the stadium on Friday, which is something we've done this year which is a little bit new just so they can see it. But then after that, we really don't talk a whole lot about the road. We just try and keep the schedule, you know, on the away games, the exact same as the road games, other than we have to get on a plane or a bus and go where we're going. But other than that, it's the identical schedule and just try and stay as much of a uh, routine and process uh, as we can. Shane, Devani, and Cam, how are their statuses going into this week? They're good. Um, Cam's a little sick right now, so health-wise, I think he's physically he's fine. He's battling, you know, a little bit of stuff like a lot of people are right now, but he should be fine for Saturday. And then Devani practiced today as well, and uh, and was fine. Shane, I'm just curious. You know, you guys, you win four games. Everything's great. Missouri happens. You know, it's like the worst thing in the world. Now you guys are back. How do you, as a coach, keep that insulated from your players so they don't spend too much time, especially given this age when, you know, 10-year-olds are probably more savvy on social media than, <laughs> than older people are? It's me included. Um, I don't think I'm old. Um, it's hard. I think that's a huge – it really is. It's a huge, um, huge challenge because – they're only here four hours a day, and then some of the time when they are here, whether it be down in the locker room or eating lunch or whatever downstairs, they're, they're on social media. And there's just a lot of stuff out there that, you know, when I first got into coaching, you had, you know, a little bit of talk radio, you had the newspaper, and then you had, like, the actual, you know, message boards. Other than that, that was it. And now it's just there's so many more uh, – avenues out there there's so many voices out there as well so it is a challenge um i think for me it's me just trying to stay consistent as the head coach uh where i'm not just on an emotional roller coaster week to week about what has happened you guys have heard me say it before after a loss after a win we come in here on sunday and we show the good show the bad we learn from it good and bad and then it's go, you know, go right back to work as well. But I'd be naive to sit here and say that, you know, you, you block out everything because I think I also probably need to be aware of what a lot of the things they're hearing out there are um, also. But just trying to be honest with our guys and real with our guys where here's, you know, here's what is being – or here's what maybe the outside thinks. Um, and But here's what – is real, you know. Here's what we see on tape, and, and you guys in this building know what's really going on. And, and don't get me wrong; I mean, we're honest as all get out with those guys and, and truthful with them, and uh, just try and be, be there, do that from that standpoint. And I mean, I know I said the thing after the game the other night, and to me that was more just um, the negativity with Marshawn being out, for example. Like, 
I'm sh I, I wasn't on social media going to the game to see what people are saying about Marshawn Lloyd potentially not playing. But I can imagine there was doom and gloom. Oh, my God, Marshawn's out. We're – this is G-rated. We're out of luck, you know, that we don't have Marshawn in this game tonight. How are we going to beat Vanderbilt? Yada, yada, yada. And, and we didn't talk one time with the team last week about Marshawn not playing. I mean, they know Marshawn's not playing or wasn't going to play after, what, Thursday's practice. But it wasn't like, hey, guys, Marshawn's not playing. We all got to rally. It's, you know, we've, we've dealt with injuries before. Quarterback situation last year and whatever it may be, DBs that were out this year for different injuries. It's just kind of like go to work and just and keep on going. And if you spend too much time worrying about uh, who you don't have or what's being Sid and things like that, you're taking away from what you need to do, and that's getting ready to play each and every week, you know, if that, if that makes sense. Okay. Shane, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you guys go to the state or Way Stadium on Fridays last year? Was uh -uh. that a thing? I guess why? What did, what kind of went into adding that wrinkle? I guess on a road trip. Um, something I thought about. I had done it. Um, I we had other places I've been. Sometimes other places I've coached. Oklahoma. Um, I'm trying to think. Coach Spurrier did it a little bit. Sometimes he would maybe go see the stadium. A lot of times we did it like if it was a night game on the road just to get him out of the hotel and go see the stadium and walk around a little bit. We did that some at Oklahoma and South Carolina both when I was here as an assistant. We didn't do that at Virginia Tech. We didn't do it at Georgia. We didn't do it last year. Um, but for home games, we have meetings here, and then we go across the street and do our walkthrough on Friday afternoons in the stadium for home games. So it was twofold, Ben. One, just trying to kind of keep that same routine on the road. Okay, we do our walkthrough here in Columbia, but then we get on a plane or a bus when we go to Clemson, um, and we'll get off the plane and just go walk around the stadium just trying to keep that routine. Then we leave the stadium and go to the hotel and start dinner and meetings like we do for a home game. So that was part of it. And then the other thing, too, was just trying to get some of the, uh, some of the newness of it out of the way on Friday. We've got a lot of guys, transfers, freshmen, that have never been to some of these stadiums. And when you walk into some of these stadiums, ours included, for the first time, it can be, oh, my God, um, just how big they are. But So just being able to go on Friday, we were literally were there for 15 minutes, but just to be able to go on Friday, see where the locker room is, see how you're going to get from the bus to the locker room, how you're going to get from the locker room to the field. Okay, here's what the stadium looks like. Here's where our sideline is. Quarterbacks, there's the play clocks. All right, everybody good? Let's go. And, you know, it's, 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 we've been a little bit better on the road this year. I don't know if it's because of that, but that's how it started. It was just thinking about it over the summer as an opportunity to, uh, to uh, just see the stadium and not – let them not the first time we see it be on Saturday when we arrive. That's out of your system, and then all you have, all you're thinking about is just playing well. And then just real quick, I think you guys have already dealt with hurricane stuff already. Is there any conversation concern about the weather or anything like that with this week? I don't think so. George Wynn, our assistant director, assistant director of athletics for football ops, George has been um, in communication with everybody down there. I guess they've been having kind of like weekly or not weekly, but daily updates and meetings, and doesn't look like there's any issues at all and based on the text he sent me before I came in here it looks like everything should be out of there by you know Thursday afternoon and and um, full speed ahead but certainly the people above me are are monitoring that as well all right thank y'all appreciate you okay guys that was Shane Beamer uh, we've hit two o'clock appreciate you all tuning in real quick because I know Luke RJ had brought it up 
Uh, very excited for Gamecocks basketball. Gets going tonight. The men's side of things, of course, the women already won last night in blowout fashion, which doesn't surprise any of us. But the men will get going tonight against SC State, a 7 o'clock tip at the CLA. Game can be watched on SEC Network. Gamecocks are a 23.5-point favorite. My prediction for the game, 78-60. to 60. I've got the Gamecocks beating SC State. Luke, RJ, when you talk expectations for year one of Shane Beamer, or excuse me, year one of Shane Beamer, expectations for year one of Lamont Paris, my best advice to Gamecock fans would be this. Go into this season like a blank canvas. I, I go into it not really having expectations, honestly. I'm just excited and intrigued to see what year one of the Lamont Paris era is going to look like, right? What does this team look like? What does Gigi Jackson look like? Um, in a Gamecocks uniform. So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, don't don't be expecting to win a couple of games. And I'm not saying, you know, just be happy with if you were to go over, right? And I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I go into this season with no expectations. I'm really just excited and intrigued to see what the style is like, how they play, right? It feels like with every South kind of sport, it's all about offense. So does offensively, does this team play free? Do they play loose? Um, you know, do we see a bit of an offensive explosion or improved offensive basketball, something we have not seen over the past couple of years? So all in all, though, excited for the Lamont Paris era to get going tonight and really, really pumped for his tenure to get underway at South Carolina. Guys, that's going to do it all for me. Thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in again. If you want to hear more on the basketball side of things, Go check out the podcast that dropped this morning, full basketball season preview show. Um, would love for you guys to check that out. Broke down everything for the men's and women's top storylines, key mat, or excuse me, top storylines, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse, predictions, uh, overall look at the rosters, all that good stuff. Really, really exciting show. So again, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. <laughs>